Unmute, Mike. Okay, I'm, I think I'm unmuted, right? Okay, so, so this is what we're gonna do for 40 minutes this morning. Um, and I'm following uh, the thing. We are, we're gonna talk about uh, tradition uh, three and four and, yeah, three and four. And, and, and then um, for, 10, for 40 minutes, um, 20 minutes for three, 20 minutes for four, and I think, and then um, we'll take a break and look at chat. So, um, Tana, do you wanna start us off with um, good old tradition three? Sure. <clears throat> I do wanna say, for those of you who are braving and turning on your, your faces, thank you. Because when I can see your faces, I can kind of get an idea of if people are going, oh, you know, like they're totally confused or if they're, if they're interested or if they're like going, oh God, we're really bored. And so then I know maybe I need to spice it up a bit. <laughs> so thank you for, for those. Uh, if you're knitting, I don't care. Good for you. Um, because uh, that for me, if I'm doing so with my hands, I can pay attention better. So I have no uh, judgment about stuff like that. Pets, kids, it's all good. And I've started oh, your 10 minutes, Tana. Okay, thank you. In other words, get to the point, Tana. Quit just <laughs> yakking around. <laughs> okay, so also I just wanna reiterate if uh, for anyone who's not familiar, we do have handouts and we are following these handouts as we go through the traditions. And so if you haven't downloaded the handouts and printed them out, uh, please do so because it'll make it a lot easier for you to understand what's going on here. I'm gonna try to adjust my window. For some reason, I've got weird, um, there, that's a little bit better. I've got, we've got sunshine. Oh my God, sunshine in the Seattle area. What a, uh, what a concept. Okay, tradition three. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. The spiritual principle is identity or inclusion or membership requirements. When I walked into the doors of OA, I knew I'd found my lost tribe. Okay, so who let them in? Notice I'm pointing to Mike. <laughs> anyway, um, as you can see, Mike and I, uh, we, we give each other a hard time. We're, we're like brother and sister or husband and wife. I can't sure, you know, thing one and thing two. We give each other a hard time. Anyway, as applied to relationships, the only basic requirement for a good marriage or a good relationship, a good working environment, is a desire to, is a mutual desire to be in a, that relationship and a willingness to make that relationship work. That's how I apply tradition three to uh, my relationships. So how well do I live by the third tradition in all my affairs? And again, these are, these are pulled from, most of these are pulled from the OA 12 and 12. Um, you know, there's a few other interesting little questions I stuck in there, but for the most part, these are in the back of the book. So you're welcome to use your 12 and 12 if you don't have the, the handouts. So, um, you know, the first thing, the first question, do my actions say that I have a sincere desire to be in this relationship? Uh, do I share my feelings honestly with my partner or my family members or coworkers and friends? Do I encourage them the same to take part in, and to take part in the, in the discussions? And do I listen to them with an open mind? You know, how often do we listen to respond you know it's like we're, we're so ready to respond that we aren't paying attention to what they're saying and this is truly uh you know as, as mike said earlier today this is truly 
it's like working the traditions in our relationship is, is, is like working a really intensive fourth step around our relationships. Um, you know, one of the things that's hard is sharing my feelings, honestly, because I don't want people to not like me for what I'm sharing. You know, what if, what if they don't like what I'm saying? What if they disapprove? But, you know, in sharing my feelings, honestly, you know, there's that acronym, think, is it thoughtful? Is it helpful? Is it intelligent? Is it uh, necessary? And is it kind? You know, so I can apply that when I'm, when I'm sharing my feelings, honestly. There's, you know, there's honest and there's, there's kind honesty. It doesn't have to be brutal, you know, grab someone by the throat and shake them honesty. You know, we can, our delivery, we can look at our delivery. And that's something that I've learned in program. Um, I've learned not to be a doormat because before OA, I'd oscillate between, usually I was a doormat or I would be a bulldozer. Usually I was a doormat until I got really, really pissed beyond belief, which it took a lot to get there. And then it was like the volcano would blow. Um, and you know, either extreme is not helpful. So in sharing my feelings, honestly, it's, it's, it's learning how to deliver. And that's something that my sponsor has worked with me a ton over the past 30 plus years in program. You know, question three, do I make everyone welcome in my groups, in my family, in my relationships? Or are there some people I just rather try to exclude? You know, having grown up in being kind of the square peg, you know, when there's all these round holes around and people fitting into round holes, you know, I was very familiar with feeling excluded. I was a teacher's kid growing up and teacher's kid and preacher's kids in a small farming community were always looked at with suspicion or, and also uh, police officers' kids. You know, they were, they were the narcs, you know. Um, you're gonna tell your parents what, you're, what everyone's doing here. And so we're not, gonna, we're not gonna include you in the parties or whatever. And, and so I'm very uh, sensitive to exclusion. I don't like to exclude others. It makes me feel really bad. You know, there are times, you know, especially in political discussions, I really don't want to include certain people because they piss me off. But if I open up and, and, and I'm inclusive and, and act in a manner that is respectful to everyone, we can actually listen and have discussions and have meaningful dialogue. So, you know, you know that's just something that, that the exclusion step is, has been really, the inclusion versus exclusion has been really tough for me during this very charged time in our, in our country. And I've tried really hard to, to include people in my life, even when we have very different opinions on, on topics. Um, you know, it's another, another, uh, you know, another thing is, um, the, you know, in, in terms of do my uh, actions say I have a desi sincere desire to be in this relationship, you know, in social media, that you can't, you don't, you wouldn't believe the number of times I have just wanted to absolutely flame somebody. And I'm, I'm I really try hard to be careful. Um, I, every once in a while, I, I get pissed and, and call people out on their stuff. But in general, I try to, um, you know, I try to be respectful of everybody's differences and, and hold dialogue because I do want to be in relationships. You know, this has been such a polarizing time. And to the degree that I can be respectful and listen and inclusive, I grow from this. Um, it means there's a lot of times that I just don't post what I'm really thinking. Instead, I post cat pictures. 
because so it's the worst kept secret in the world that when I'm pissed, you see a lot of cat pictures come up from me on, on social media. Um, you know, do I focus question four? Do I focus my discussions and conversations on things that we have in common? Or do I let people's age, race, religion, education, manner of dress, weight, um, lack of religion, political beliefs, language, sexual identity, or gender, or other such factors determine whether I reach out to them or not? You know, one of the things that being growing up and feeling excluded because I was a science nerdy geek and, and not really interested in the latest fashion, um, you know, and, you know, the, it's like keeping up with a, the low, you know, the, the, the movie stars of the day or whatever, you know, or the, the sports figures of the day. I just didn't do that, you know. And so sometimes I was excluded, you know, as an adult and also growing up. And so I know what it feels like to be excluded. I know what it feels like to be the underdog, you know, so to speak. And so I really do try to, to reach out to people who are, who are in the corner, who are alone, who look, you know, who look, who, who look like they're hurting because sometimes it's hard when people are hurting to, um, you know, to reach out, to, to put forth that effort to make contact with others. Um, you know, and it's, and sometimes it's hard, you know, if, if, if they are espousing, you know, vitriol and just negativity, sometimes it's really hard to reach out to people like that. And I just would rather ignore them. But oftentimes it's people who behave like that or people who are really hurting and are, are damaged in some respect, you know, emotionally damaged. And sometimes it's just having someone reach out and hold out your hand, you know, I put my hand in yours can, can really help them. And, because this is a this is a we program and i try to make my life a we life you know even when i don't agree with someone um and my two impress i gotta hurry up here um uh thoughts on which to meditate before oa we have placed special requirements on our friends co-workers or family members i will love you if often characterize our attitude toward them perhaps we demanded that others live up to our standards or we placed conditions on friendships if you disagree with me, you have betrayed me, for example. In no way we've learned that people can differ with us on important matters and still be loving, supportive friends. When we apply always tradition three, we find the treasure of friendships often where we least expect it, with people we once would have excluded from our lives. Such treasure is all around us and all we have to do is open our hearts to receive it. Always where we learn to open our hearts because it is here that most of us first experience unconditional acceptance. We have a home if we want it, is how, OA, is how our invitation to you in the OA book expresses tradition three. Welcome to OA, welcome home. And some, this is from the OA 12 and 12 pages, 111 and 112. You know, if you wanna look at some topics to think about, membership requirements is discussed on page 107, the purpose of tradition three, page 108, how to handle a situation where another person is behaving inappropriately. That's a good one. Page 109. When every person is respected and treating love, treated lovingly, the relationship survives and emerges stronger than ever from the experience. And then what is autonomy and how do you handle special requirements? That's on pages one to 10 and 111. So again, I recommend you know, printing out the handouts. That's, that's where a lot of this stuff is. If you don't have the handouts, you, you can look at your 12 and 12. And with that, I'll pass it over to Mike. Thank you. And so, this morning, for those of you who are just joining today, um, Tana and I have uh, done this workshop together now, and we counted it four and a half times. 
and you're wondering, well, where in that world did the half come from? And we we did um we did something like this um, for what maybe four, three or four hours in in Omaha for the Omaha intergroup. So we call that a half. It's not a they didn't get the full force of us like you guys are. And one of the things that um, for those who are joining us today, good morning. It's nice to see you and welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, one of the things that I, what I did one time, I was thinking, you know, the steps in the traditions really do tie together very well, but nobody has ever done this. So I, I have tried to the best of my ability to show how I think the step and the tradition um, are tied together. And what's been most helpful with all of this, folks, is the fact that we um, we now have those spiritual principles that really help tie them in a nice little package. And so the third the third step says, made a decision to turn our will and our, our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And that spiritual principle is faith. And then the... Um, the third tradition says the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. And the spiritual principle is identity. Now, it would seem that identity and faith has have absolutely nothing to do with one another. But I take a little different um, approach to that because I think without, without any identification, I really can't have any faith. Because if I can't identify what my higher power is, then I'm not going to have any faith at all. And, or, or I did have faith in one thing. Yes, I did. I had faith in one thing. Food. Food was my higher power. And food is what kept me going and all this other stuff. And I could identify with people who, um, I grew up in a family where food was very important. But my grandmother uh, raised nine kids, and some of those children were born during the Depression. And skinny kids were considered um, from a very poor family. So they lived on a farm, and she tried to really truthfully fatten those kids up so that they did not look skinny. And one of the things that I find here is I... Uh, Unfortunately, I identified with my family members in the sense that they were compulsive overeaters. Compulsive overeating and alcoholism runs rampant in my family. And, and yet we grew up with a religious, uh, in a religious tradition and we supposedly had faith, but I did not know that the faith that I had was superficial because I only had faith in food. I did not think that the God of my understanding would want to deal with food because food was no big deal. Um, like alcoholism and drug addiction and gambling and philandering and all this other stuff. Now, those were real problems. Food was just, you know, that's what we do. But when I came to OA, I found out that I had this. So, Mike, the questions that I have in this, in this work, in the, my worksheet, are very simple. I said, do you have the desire to stop eating compulsively? That's a word that most people, when we hear the word desire, we automatically go to being tramps and sluts and whores because that desire, oh, I have this desire. But no, do I have a desire? And that desire comes from within. Do I really have the desire to stop eating compulsively? 
do I really want that? Um, so the question is, do I have the desire to stop eating compulsively by having turned my will and my life over to the care of a, a higher power as I understand the higher power? My higher power is no longer food. So what am I gonna use as a higher power is a bigger question. The second question is, has the faith you have gained in OA helped you to identify with other family members, work associates, OA members, social situations, uh, and regardless of people's age, gender, national origin, race, sexual orientation, or socioeconomic status. See, for a long time, it was okay to be in a faith community and identify with folks who were just like me. That was easy. But the biggest thing, you know, the biggest, the best thing that ever happened to me was going to college because I met a lot of folks who were not like me. I grew up in a lily white community. I mean, no, we had no people of color. I mean, heavenly days. I was considered the outsider because I was Catholic in a Baptist town. And um, they didn't wanna identify with me too much because my faith was different. Now, isn't it interesting how we won't identify with people because of, of their of their, um, because they're a different age, a different gender, national origin, race, sexual orientation, or socioeconomic status. We don't, we don't want to identify with them because they're different. Well, how different am I? And if I really want that desire to turn my will and my life over to the care of God, am I willing to be open-minded enough to have that, to identify with these people? OA, as I've said, I, I don't think I said it last night, but OA is an equal, the equal opportunity, uh, EEOC, uh, Equal Opportunity uh, Commission, would love this disease because it doesn't care who in the hell you are. It's just a disease that wipes across every board, everything. And we can then, when we come here, identify with people and have the faith that they too are trying to do what I'm trying to do, which is to abstain from compulsive overeating and turn their will and their life over to the care of God as I understand God, not as you understand God. And see, that's the other part about identification. I can have a belief in a power greater than myself in this program, and I can identify with you even though I am not of the same religious affiliation or non-religious affiliation if you're an agnostic or an atheist. I can identify with you because I have this dis-ease. It's a disease and a dis-ease. This dis-ease of living causes me to have the disease of compulsive overeating. Ooh, write that one down. That was a good one. Um, <laughs> I really think, folks, that we are given so much and I hope that you realize that when we are identifying with one another, we then have the faith in one another that we can get through this together. And, and, and so I've got a couple of minutes left. So Tana, I'm gonna open it up so that if, you, if there's something else that you would like to add, please feel free to do so. Um, and unmute yourself. <laughs> I know I said this yesterday, 
And especially for newcomers or people that are new to the traditions and are thinking, I'm a compulsive overeater. Why the hell do I care about this relationship crap? And, um, you know, and these traditions, what does this really have to do with food? This is the boring stuff in the second half of the book that I hate reading about once a month in my meetings. And it's because it's issues in my relationships that cause me this dis-ease that make me want to go to the refrigerator and have a close personal relationship with vending machines. You know, it's, it is my relationships that make me want to eat by and large. It's my dis disagreements. And that is why I find the traditions so helpful. It's that, you know, when I talked about in my story about not having that, the secret manual of how to do life and be happy and have good relationships, I felt like it wasn't given out on the day I was born and, you know, God skipped me or whatever. These traditions, it's kind of like, these are kind of like, this is the manual. This is how I have good relationships and how I learn to have healthy relationships. And so that's one of the reasons why I think these uh, traditions are so important. Mike? And the identification. Let's, let's look at this. We are, are able to identify, but we're also able to find, we are finally learning to have faith, not only in a power greater than ourselves, but faith in ourselves and faith in other people. And that is a, a, a wonderful thing from this program. And believe it or not, we are ready. I think this is so great. I love having my little timer here because it keeps me on track. We have finished with those and whoops. And so we are now going to start on um, step and tradition four. So um, being the gentleman that I am, ha ha ha, I'm going to let Tana go first. Okay, tradition four. Each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. The spiritual principle is autonomy. And I like to say autonomy with responsibility. You know, Mike, you're not wrong. It's just, I am more right. <laughs> I am an individual, yet my behavior has a ripple effect on the world. So I was kidding when I said, you're not wrong. It's just that I'm more right. I was just in case anyone's wondering, I was kidding. Um, okay, so as applied to relationships, tradition four, each individual should be autonomous except in matters affecting the other partner, the family or society as a whole. Again, each individual should be autonomous except in matters affecting your, your partners, your family or society as a whole. You know, one of the things that used to get me in, in OA groups, especially in the, in the late 80s, is groups would, would choose not to follow the traditions. They say, well, each group should be autonomous. You know, but they leave out, there's, you know, they, they leave out the second half, which is accepted matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. And so it is, you know, my, you know, I am free to be as autonomous as I want in the world, but I need to, to understand that my behavior has a ripple effect. And that. I'm welcome, I'm, I'm free to be autonomous, but I need to look at, am I affecting, you know, other, my family members? Am I affecting, you know, my, my work situation with my autonomy or the, you know, the society as a whole? So how well do I live by the fourth tradition in all of my affairs? You know, question one, 
do I feel there's only a few right ways of doing things in my family, my group, or my relationship? Do I respect the rights of other groups, uh, other family members to have practices different than mine? So, you know, it's, I'll, I'll bring up the dishes again. This happens to be a hot topic in my family right now. You know, uh, I have a family member that thinks the dishwasher should be loaded a certain way and wants to impart his wisdom on the rest of us, including giving specific direction on how to load the dishes. And it drives me crazy, let me tell you. And what happens is, you know, everybody just stops doing the dishes. And then this family member, my husband, <clears throat> did I say that, uh, gets angry because nobody is doing the dishes. Well, and I, I had to sit down and say, honey, you can ask someone to do something, but then you can't stand over their shoulders and tell them how to do it. And then, you know, let them, you know, if you want, I'll be happy to do the dishes, but I'll probably not do it exactly your way. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I've asked someone to do something and then I go in and nitpick everything they do, they're not going to want to, you know, they're not going to want to really do anything for me, you know? So if I have to look at, you know, and this is really hard for me at work because we have processes and procedures. I'm a very process oriented person because I like to be effective and efficient, but I have to be careful when I move from group A to group B, that group A was very process oriented. Group B where I'm in right now is, you know, they fly by the seat of their pants. And I have to be careful when I talk about process and procedures and not have it come across as me being, you know, pedantic or, you know, just real nitpicky. And I just, you know, I, I have to always coach things in the, the what's the whiff of what's in it for me. You know, if you do things for the process, this is how it's going to benefit you, you know, so, but I've got, it's a really a challenge to do this at work because, because um, <laughs> I'm very process oriented. I like things to be efficient and, you know, most of the people I work with fly by the seat of their pants and really don't care. So this is, this, this particular question is a struggle for me in my family. It's a struggle for other family members and sometimes for me. Question two, do I always consider the welfare of all in my group or family or relationship, in my community, making decisions, in deciding how to spend the, the groups or my family's uh, money or in family planning, in department or group planning, in my faith, you know, uh, community, you know, am I uh, considering the welfare of everyone? You know, also in the way I conduct myself in meetings. So this is, I think, you know, I really do think that our entire country needs a serious tradition kick in the ass, you know, it's um, the traditions would help all of us, you know, when I've been in, in, uh, in conflict in my, my, in the church I grew up in was very, there was uh, two different factions, and they were, it was uh, two different ways of expressing their faith. And I remember, um, I know I'm being a little bit all over the place. My mom came to an OE meeting when I lived in the Denver area. And she heard us talk about the, the traditions. And she said, wow, if our church could just look at these traditions and follow these, there wouldn't be so many battles. But really, you know, in, in my community, am I considering the welfare of my entire community when I make decisions on how I behave? Or am I being selfish? Me, me, me. Uh, do I consider how my actions affect the, pub, the public's opinion of my family? Um, you know, question three, you know, am I airing my dirty laundry and bad mouthing, uh, you know, bad mouthing, you know, my 
my in-laws or my sister or my brother or whatever. You know, fortunately, I don't do that, but I, I do see that quite a bit in, um, you know, in the world. You know, looking how how my actions affect others. Um, do I practice the um, the principle of autonomy by taking responsibility for my own actions and avoid attempts to control the actions of others? So, you know, these are some of the things that I look at. These are all they're all they all encompass autonomy with responsibility. And then question four, do I take time to discuss the, the traditions or my family rules? Do I take all 12 traditions into consideration when making collective group decisions? And so one of the things that we came up with, I, I pulled this out of a book, is we had our family rules. And, you know, we would talk about the family rules in the family. And, um, you know, I mean, there were simple things, you know, if you take something out, put it back. I'm kind of bad about that, which is why my house looks like a disaster half the time. But, you know, just thinking about how my autonomy affects others. And also in practicing this, trying to teach my kids, you know, or my co when I mentor people at work, how my actions affect others, how, how a ripple effect, how I do something at work, how it affects my group as a whole, and how it affects our, my, the customers of my company. You know, it's, this, there's so many applications of the fourth uh, tradition. Tradition four challenges as individuals, as OA groups, and as a fellowship to strike a healthy balance between responsibility for ourselves and a responsibility to each other while we grow together and work together as companions in recovery. This is page 118 of the OA 12 and 12, second edition. Every family, group, relationship, etc., can manage its affairs as it pleases, except when it affects or threatens others or the family or relationship as a whole. The fourth tradition suggests that we take an honest look at our relationships and question our independently planned actions. Will our actions in any way subvert or compromise the relationships we have worked so hard on? You know, uh, some things to think about. Autonomy with responsibility. If you want to read about that, look at page 113 and page 116. Things that affect the entire OA fellowship and what, what are the consequences when the traditions are not honored are page 114 and page 115. Uh, how to meet our individual unique needs, but still operate within in the traditions, page 117. And living by the fourth tradition means to learn to act autonomously, even as we live in harmony with others. Setting boundaries, that's a real problem with many of us compulsive overeaters. It was certainly a huge problem with me. Uh, page 117, it, it discusses uh, boundaries. Mike? Okay, well, wow, thank you. Um, let me, let me get my little timer set here. Um, oops. So, so here's, here's my take on, on this. Step four is made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Years ago, I was at a, I always love to hear the misreading of the steps. And this, this, this individual was reading the steps and they said, made a searching and fearless mortal inventory of ourselves. And I always like that because it is a mortal inventory because we're actually looking at all the, the really cruddy things in some respects. Um, the fourth tradition of course is each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. What Tana was really talking about, I believe, and with this and how this really affects and, and the spiritual principles for the step is 
doing the, the fourth step inventory takes courage and the, uh, a principle, spiritual principle of autonomy. Now, one would not think that once again, it's how do these two go together? Being courageous and autonomous, what is this all about? What it's all about is when I am doing, oops, just a second, this, um, when I am doing an inventory, what I have to watch out for is I have to see where I have been selfish, self-seeking, self-centered, and most of all, self-righteous. And this fourth step, this fourth tradition speaks exactly to that. And if you're wondering why, and it says, well, it says I can be autonomous. I can do our groups and I can do as I damn well please and all that. But there, remember, that, as Tana said, there is a comma, a comma that says, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole, except in matters affecting people around me at home, at work, in other organizations, in my faith community, and even with myself. So um, in looking to be autonomous, it takes a lot of courage to see what I need to change. And if I want to change, which is the most important thing. So it go, remember, if you have a desire to turn your will and your life over to the care of God, does this mean that you have the desire to become courageous and do this work that's before us? Doing a fourth step inventory is, I really believe, one of the most uh, difficult things that any of us will ever undertake, truthfully. Um, even though I grew up in a religious tradition where um, there was confession and all this other stuff, as many of you heard last night, my mom is the one who 12-stepped me and she was in OA. So I asked my mom, I said, well, mom, have you ever done a, a fourth-step inventory? And she says, well, no, I go to confession. And I thought, well, I don't know about you, but I've never, I never told her this. I don't know about you, but I never told the priest everything because I figured I'd be doomed to hell. And besides, I didn't want to have to do a whole lot of stuff that I would have to change. You know, I'll be honest. I was miserable, but I was happy in my miserableness because if I wanted to change, that meant that I was going to have to do some work. And I'm, and folks, I'm physically, emotionally, spiritually, and intellectually very lazy at times. I don't want to do what's good for me. And so this, this principle, you know, the question is, how has completing the fourth step inventory allowed you to become more courageous and more autonomous in your life? And how has it affected your homework, OA, and social life? See, once again, being courageous and being and becoming autonomous, the courageous aspect is looking at how I have wounded other people in the past due to my selfish, self-seeking, self-centered, self-righteous attitudes and paggles, you know, pride, anger, greed, gluttony, lust, envy, and sloth, which were my favorite. And folks, I only really do have one character defect. 
and that character defect is fear. And you see, um, I really believe that pride, anger, greed, gluttony, lust, envy, and sloth, paggles, uh, are nothing more than subsets of fear. Fear is my big one, and those are just subsets. And you see, what happens is when I become when I become courageous and look at all of this, and I can see how my autonomy or what I thought was autonomy. See, that's the whole thing. Was I really being autonomous or was I really being selfish, self-seeking, self-centered and self-righteous? That is, that takes courage to look at and go, well, damn, I am going to have to change. And do I have the desire to change? Do I, do I, if I change do I have the faith in myself to change? Do I have the courage? If I have faith, then goodness, folks, I should have the courage in that faith to change. That's what I really do believe. The autonomy aspect. Yes, you know, my whole problem at times, and I think the problem that so many of us have, uh, that this particular uh, there are certain things we as a country have had so many problems because we we're so damned autonomous. We want to run it on our own. It all goes back to control, folks. Autonomy for me means control. I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it, where I want to do it, with whom I want to do it, why I want to do it, and where I'm going to do it. You see what happens is I then have the courage to go. If I do it in that way, who is going to be hurt? Who am I damaging? And most generally, folks, every time I look at this, it's me. I damage myself every time I do a lot of this stuff. You see, I also truly do believe that, um, that with this autonomy comes responsibility. Accountability and responsibility are two of the most difficult attributes that we learn in this program. I'm becoming responsible and accountable. I'm becoming responsible for my actions and accountable for my actions. I can't blame, I'm gonna pick on Tana for a minute. I can't blame Tana for not doing my dishes. Well, hell, she lives in Seattle and I live in Denver. The thing of it is, I might want her to do certain things and I might want everybody to do certain things, but what price am I willing to pay? Once again, it means stepping aside. Doing that four-step inventory means stepping aside, looking at my life. And But the other part of it is too, and one of my biggest concerns about the fourth-step inventory is we are so focused on all the rotten stuff that we've ever done that we very rarely, and I've seen this, and it finally says it in the OA fourth step inventory, we finally look at our character assets. I once did an inventory that said, you have to list uh, 24 assets and you can only list 12 defects. What that did was make me become accountable and responsible, but it also I had to look at my autonomy and be courageous to admit that I actually had character assets. So I think that um, 
that as we tie these two together, be autonomously courageous. Be autonomously courageous because when I am courageous, then I'm able to be autonomous in a way that is not affecting OA as a whole or anybody else as a whole. I'm able to do what, yes, I know I need to do for myself without harming others. And that's what our wonderful blessed program gives us on a daily basis. And once again, I wanna go over grace. Each of us today were given the grace of abstinence. And remember what I said last night, what uh, grace was, graciously and gratefully receiving abst uh, abstinence from compulsive eating. We're given that grace today. And I've been given that grace today. And with that, we're gonna stop and we're gonna take the 10 minute break.